1: Their aim is to educate and entertain, here's Scott and Jess.
2: Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. We're coming to you live from Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire, and today we have a very special episode in store. I'm super excited about this. Um, I've been talking with Melissa since last year about this, like search and rescue sport of sorts that we have available to us in this country that isn't as popular as some other stuff, but I think it's a great venue. So if you're looking for something new for your, you know, Malinois or your German Shepherd that you want to do protection with, that it was just maybe not the best venue, it was a little bit more than you. Bit off to chew, or you have a retired dog that used to love tracking or search and rescue or something else, I highly, highly, highly recommend that you guys look into this organization, the RASA, and that's going to be my quirky tip of the day. So make sure that you check out the RASA i had to do the pig because i I know i get out of order any
1: dog that's done even some akc tracking yeah i I,
2: any any just check it out no matter what you're thinking of but as a new venue venue for 2023 i'm super excited about this so without further ado we have the vice president of the arsa here and her name is melissa Stagnaro. thank you so much for joining us here today melissa and welcome to the quirky dog
0: Thank you so much for having me.
2: Yeah. So can you explain to us just a little bit about um, this organization, this sport of sorts, just what this
0: whole kit and caboodle is about? Right. So um, we have an international rule book that we follow. Um, It courses out. There's different scent options, different obedience tasks, and there's increasing levels of difficulty. There's three sport levels that get harder and there's also a mission ready test. Okay. So the mission ready test doesn't have any obedience, but it is uh, the proving ground that you and your team, uh, you and your dog as a team are ready for actual search and rescue. It includes things like uh, biological contaminants, map reading, GPS, all of that. So the mission ready If a team were to pass that, they would be a real search and rescue dog. Okay, cool. Nice. But the sport is just three levels. And um, in some places in the U.S., uh, sheriff departments have been so impressed by the sport folks, they have asked them to come out to help. But the three sport levels are just that. There's their sport levels, which means dogs that maybe wouldn't be reliable for an actual you know, search or people who couldn't handle, you know, the the long treks in the woods and carrying all the water and the gear or folks that are just really busy and can't commit to be on a call out, yeah. you know, yeah, two ready in the to go at the drop yeah. of a hat. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, definitely traditional breeds like the German Shepherd and the Malinois, we do have those for sure. But because this is a sport and because there are so many search options, there's something for just about any dog. And so we have small-legged terriers. We've had uh, a couple toy breeds. We have livestock guardian dogs. We have hounds. We have everything. Every Everybody's welcome to join. Yeah.
2: I love it. And the dogs are still working from like such an instinctual point doing so many of these tasks. And I really, really enjoy that. I didn't realize until today when I was checking out the website and the website will be in show notes for you guys to go see as well. It's searchandrescuesport.org. But there's like an actual obedience component as well of the whole situation. It's not just like you go out and track and search. So could you point to that a little bit about some of those exercises and just that variation of it?
0: Yeah. Thank you. So, um, as you mentioned, there's two phases. There's an obedience dexterity phase. We don't call it agility because there are things like a tunnel and a ladder and a plank, but uh, we refer to it as dexterity because everything is slow and controlled. Okay. It's more search and rescue style, not how <clears throat> fast you can you can cross it. Um, and then, as we talked about before, there's the scent work to complete a title. And if folks are interested to uh, perhaps go to an international competition. One would need to do both phases, pass both phases, the obedience, dexterity, as well as the search. But a lot of folks uh, will just start out with the search. You know, they're not quite ready to do the healing and a long down stay. And you can just progress in the search only. Uh, so, as far as the obedience, most of it is everything dog sport, normal, you know, change of position, sit, stand down, recall, long down, stay, healing off leash on leash. There's a few that are search specific. The one uh, that's kind of fun is a carry. Okay. I was going to mention,
1: I saw that listed and that is not something dog sport people do.
0: (laughs) No, but let's say you and I were on a, on a team together and doing, you know, urban disaster rubble work. And. Let's say, unfortunately, both my dog and myself was injured. My dog needs to be stable enough and trained well enough that you could carry him off the pile. Um, Another one that's a little unique to the SAR work is healing over, it's called unpleasant surfaces. So it's like a mini rubble pile. Can you Mm -hmm. and your dog just safely traverse this area? Yeah, but great environmental that, distraction. That's
1: something where a lot of dogs wash out trying to do the real search and rescue work with these environmental issues that they're not comfortable with. So you can work them yeah. through stuff and make it look good, but they wouldn't be necessarily a dog you'd want looking for a person when it's life or death.
0: Definitely. And that that's one of the nice things about the sport. You know, if a, if your dog is nervous about thunderstorms, for example... Well, we don't want to rely on him because people often get lost when the weather's terrible. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But for the sport, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if your dog doesn't find the person, you just call on the radio. Hey, come on out. And it's it's less stress, less stress on everybody. You know, you're not uh, have somebody's life on the line.
2: Yeah. No, definitely. But it also gives people an appreciation for how much work actually goes into these SAR clubs and everything. Like people do not actually understand the amount of training time and everything else and dogs using in this practical sense. So just from a sport perspective, I think it gives people a lot of appreciation for One, what the dog's natural abilities can actually do, and two, how tedious and like really hardcore the training can be. You know what I mean? I really like it. And when we were talking before we started, this has been around since like the 1980s, I guess, when the Armenian earthquake hit because you guys needed some sort of like international certification. What was kind of the origin there?
0: Yeah, they had a lot of well-meaning people, both search and rescue teams as well as paramedics and nurses and, and and folks like that that arrived on the scene and their level of expertise was all over the board and it really couldn't be determined, you know, if these people were qualified. Yeah. So um, the United Nations worked with the FCI um, and out of that came the International Rescue Dog Organization. And from there, the, the, the standards, the rule book um, is now in place and not in the U.S. because we tend to like to do things our own way. But outside of the U.S., the IRO standards, our same testing standards. Is what's used across the board for actual real life community SAR, um, the equivalent of a FEMA um, national SAR standard. That's awesome.
2: That's awesome. But dogs could still get mission ready certified in the US through the
0: organization, right? Certainly. I mean, okay. if we if we had enough teams, we could set it up, you know, bring officials over and, yeah. and got it. have that happen. Okay. One I thing
1: it. I one thing I like about this activity is that there's a lot of rescue search and rescue dogs out there now that they're not getting the calls because it's almost in a sense becoming obsolete obsolete, with everyone having a phone, a GPS in their phone. And people are found much quicker now without the need of the dogs. So there's a lot of dogs that people enjoy the training, they're not getting the calls, where they could give their dog an outlet. They could be keeping their dog sharp through doing these type of uh, sport uh, trials, I guess. And just to keep every... Because most people that are into search and rescue enjoy working with their dog. They're not there as a job. They're there because they enjoy the aspect of the team uh part of it and getting out and doing it so to not have the real calls coming in that very frequently they don't get to actually do it unless they're just doing a training day they just wind up training three times a month or whatever they're doing but they don't get out there and kind of test themselves like they could in this kind of a sport venue you know i would think it'd be fun for that
0: yeah that's definitely true and um some of the you know, I I train quite often with actual SAR folks, and some of them their certification comes up maybe only once every other year. Right. Mm-hmm. And they have bad ring nerves, you yeah, know, the, yeah. the the clipboard yeah. The, the it the them out. scenario. Yeah. yeah, that's true. So come to one of our events, pay the entry fee, feel that pressure. Mm-hmm. But if you or your dog blow it,
1: no big deal. Yeah, you know.
0: No big deal because it's only it's only the sport. Yeah, that you know, does make other, sense. The other thing I don't know, depend in different places in the U.S., it's very hard for folks to join a SAR team, right? Because they they don't have you know you know the training director, they don't have the space, they don't have the time to bring in new people, and they can't really assess how serious someone is and how suitable their dog is. So this is also a nice way to get the skills set, test it out to make sure you like it yourself. And if you go to one of their open, we'll check you out days and they see all these skill sets, they would be more apt you know, to, to let you join than sure. yeah. someone that hadn't put that training time in. Probably God, no, definitely.
1: A, a good uh, sport dog that's been doing this activity is going to be better than the weakest working search and rescue dog (laughs) out there. Because they're not all perfect, you know, they all have, they're all working on their own issues in their training all the time, you know. well,
2: and I like this in the perspective of a SAR team, for people that aren't familiar with it, it's normally the same group, you know what I mean, and that is important, and it helps and everything, but like, here you can go to different trials, train with different people, and the dogs are getting kind of a broader spectrum, if you will, in my opinion, of the people that they're finding, and dealing with, and hunting for, and everything else, and training with, and perspective, so I just, I think that unique aspect of it is really exciting as well. people. People want to get involved for their own sake as far as, you know, all right, maybe I do want to do some of this training or where can I go look for trials? Obviously, the website is a great resource. Where else can people get more info on everything?
0: Yeah, thank you. Yes. So we have info information on the website. We have information on our Facebook. And um, on, on both those, we have a lot of, you know, contact us info uh, if folks have particular training issues, uh, we have a national training director that we respond to particular queries. We do a set of tips. Um, if folks have, you know, four people who are interested wherever they are in the U.S., um, we will go out and do either a mock trial or do a seminar depending on, you know, where their level of uh, readiness is. Yeah, cool.
2: So you guys are really, you're helping to kind of infiltrate and like support this organization right now in this country. Like this is something that you guys are really supporting. And I appreciate that too. I mean, boards of directors aren't even that normally involved. So I do appreciate that from that perspective and a whole nother level with dog sports.
1: <laughs> I have a question. Are you guys doing much of the hard tracking in your searches in, in the competitions? Or is it mostly a uh, wooded grass and that type of stuff because you you mix i know with the akc here they're doing hard tracking as well as uh grass and different surfaces
0: yep so um there there's technically uh six search options the the avalanche and the water rescue are less common because you need those those spots kind of hard
1: to find an avalanche yeah Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, it doesn't go quite well with, you know, a spring trial in yeah, the exactly. D.C. area. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we do um, uh, rubble, which is the urban disaster, a collapsed building. Um, but the, the three most common are the precision tracking, similar to IGP tracking, man trailing, and the wilderness, which we call area search. So... Tr- m- most people right now are choosing either the area search one to three people lost in the woods, right. Or more the, the IGP style tracking, uh, folks with an AKC tracking background are definitely welcome to join us. I've trained with a bunch of AKC tracking folks and I have found at least in my area, they're pretty tight on the track. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Either depending on how tight your dog works, you would choose the tracking or the man trailing option. But the great thing is I have a, a retired dog that I did. I did the tracking. I did the area search. I did the rubble. I did the man trailing. So you can mix and match, you know, different times of the year. know, uh, some folks in our group are doing, their goal is to do level one of all four. Yeah, excluding the, the avalanche and the water.
1: Right. So what is the water? So, oh, the water is where they actually retrieve like a mannequin. They there's, You have like a dummy out in the lake. Is that correct?
0: Oh, uh, uh, not quite, but similar. <laughs> there's no scent work. Yeah, but there the, is. you
1: guys have like a dummy in the we water. We have people.
0: Right? No, oh, you no, do? No, it's a human. People. It is a human. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, and so when I was reading you know, the website- the the Newfoundland, you know, yeah. running on the beach Dropping and you know bringing a, a buoy. <laughs> well, we don't quite have, we don't <laughs> quite do the helicopters, <laughs> but that would be fun.
1: So you have a person out in the water, and then you would send a dog from the shore. I'm assuming, or from a boat.
0: Yeah. So all the different levels, you know, become progressively harder. Yeah, Some it's from the shore. Some it's from a boat. Uh, would bring a buoy you know, to the fake drowning person right. and would either take them to the boat, take them to the shore. And and the fun thing is the obedience is quite similar, whether you're doing the avalanche, the water, the man trailing, the tracking, whatever. But they have little quirks like the avalanche, you heel uh heel between mm. the skis. Oh okay. You I know, you. as you're as yeah. you're skiing. Yeah. Right. Um and the water the dog has to ride a surfboard to show, you know, environmental stability. So there's fun little twists.
1: Yeah, that'd be tough. I can barely ski without a dog between my legs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I,
2: I really, I'm very interested. And I think it's really cool. And one thing I love is that we're, we're really catering to the dog's strengths. And different dogs have different strengths, right? But you're, organization is allowing you to be like, this is my dog strength. This is where I want to head. This is and that's something that we're rarely doing in dog sports. Is it's kind of like this one size fits all and like you fit into our mold and you figure it out. And just talking about it, I mean it's huge confidence building. It's huge physical benefit. Obviously the mental benefit, dog sniffing and I mean there's just so much benefit for the dogs through the training of it all, which is very, very, very important. Dogs like to work, whether you own a working dog or not, all dogs like to normally have a job. So this is really giving them good channels of ways to kind of outlet that energy as
0: far as I'm concerned. Yeah. The dogs love it. And, you know, the, the training days they get the, you know, they're, they're hunting satiated, but then we also have the obedience, So we're working their mind yeah. and, and everything.
2: Yeah, no, I'm sure they're tired after, after <laughs> practice, for
0: sure.
1: So you don't get into, this sport doesn't uh, get into cadaver-type stuff at all, I'm assuming. Is that correct? We, we
0: only search for live people.
1: Yeah, and I always think about that when I was thinking about dogs in the water, where they were picking up the scent coming up from a, a body yeah. that's at the bottom of the lake, which is crazy. Or I've even heard of dogs that have pinpointed where a, a body was underneath pavement, where they could just pick up that scent. Just crazy what dogs can pick up, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, searching yeah, for them. Li- go ahead. <laughs> sometimes when we're, when we're training, you know, joint search and rescue sport training days, people will have HRD out in the environment. So we right. usually just test to make sure our dogs don't have an adverse reaction to it, but sure. we're only searching for live people.
2: Yeah, definitely. So as far as the different breeds and stuff that are involved, you said there's really no exclusions. And I really love the whole dexterity option versus like agility. So if you did have a dog that was competing in IGP or something like they're not doing, you know, the shits and jumps anymore, they're not doing this level of jumping that's going to be hard on them as they get older. Are there certain breeds that you're finding just are more prone to being involved within the organization of the sport so far, or it just is really a mix and match?
0: It's a lot of retired IGP dogs that still want to keep a hand in. Yeah. Um, Any dog that's done IGP has eighty-five percent of the skills. Yeah. So it's a nice, easy add-on. And but we have a lot of people with pets that are just starting out. Um, You know, we we love people coming out and. You know, even if they don't get to the level that they're comfortable enough competing, at least in in a lot of the training groups, we love to have them join. You know, even just selfishly, I'd love to have other people carry my dog and other people hide for my dog. Yeah. So I I think that sort of very open attitude, you know, is part of why we have so many different breeds. Yeah. And we have handlers of, of many different ages, many different backgrounds. Well, and I like,
2: I, I feel like, you know, we're used to going to the dog club and like, okay, so this is where you do AKC obedience. And okay, this is where you do nose work. And okay, this is, you know, your SAR team and everything. And it just seems to me, just thinking about it, there's such a diverse group of people involved and backgrounds and everything else. And you're just getting a vast amount of training knowledge. You know what I mean? It's not a one size fits all. There's a lot of ways to track, there's a lot of ways to do obedience, there's a lot of ways to play around with these environmental triggers. And it, to me, I just, I'm thinking that like the brain power of like being at one of these groups is just a lot greater than maybe the same club in a certain part of town that's been doing it the same way for decades. You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited when I think about it. I just think of all the excitement of all the people there training and getting all the ideas and juices flowing. Do you see that somewhat? I mean, people are coming from very different backgrounds, right?
0: Yeah. And it's great to see the people and the dogs that have, yeah, those different strengths. Yeah. Um, in the intermediate and advanced levels, there's directional work. So it's uh, very similar to, like, retriever yeah. drills. Um, you know, we have to send them back, left, right. Um, you know, so we have folks that have, you know, Labradors that did field trials and now wanted to come into this. Yeah, cool. You know, so they have that expertise.
1: So you just tie a, br- tie a bird that. wing to the to the person hiding <laughs> it. <in. laughs> I have a question for you. Uh, do you have a list of uh, alert behaviors or is it very specific? I'm assuming that the protection dogs are going to be barking when they find someone in the woods, but do you have a list of acceptable or what you prefer?
0: Uh, so, so no, no preference. So the rule book does dictate, um, you know, set alerts for the wilderness dog, it, uh, it could be a bark alert, it could be a brinzel alert, it could be a find-refind. For a tracking dog, we add in what's just called an indication mm-hmm. because the tracking dog, you're going to be right behind it. Sure. Um, so if it just lays down next to the person, you would be able to see that. Um, if, as far they, if they as the walk protection... by, you got to
1: tell them, come back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the lost person is over here. <laughs> uh, as far as the protection dogs, uh, a lot of them do the bark alert because it's very some you know familiar skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some of the dogs that either have done protection but are maybe a little edgy, or dogs that have never actually done protection but are a little edgy, <laughs> uh, the bringsle alert is a great option.
1: What is that? Because,
0: so the dog runs off leash to the person uh, and in indicates that he's found somebody by taking um it could be leather it could be wood it could be fleece a, a you know a stick of some sort that's attached to its collar the dog flips it into its mouth runs to you holding this item
2: oh, That's a and cool. then,
0: yeah and then you put the leash on and you go run and find the person
1: it's nice to so, keep their mouth busy
0: yeah right so some dogs that are a little nervous One, they're not left with the person having to bark and bark and bark. Yeah. And two, they're a little nervous and now they have something nice they can hold in their mouth and it could distract them a little bit. Sure. um,
1: that's a good idea.
0: Yeah. The brings all alert. Unless
1: uh, you don't want him to get tired. So I'm just going to put this in my mouth and go home.
2: <laughs> no, but it, I can see, I, it makes perfect sense just from like thinking about dogs. Like, oh, I did what I was supposed to. All right. I'm going to go tell mom, grab, grab my thing, go like, it just makes sense from the dog's brain. So no, I love that as an option. So there's the barking, the find and refind you said, and then this brings all, those were the three that you had mentioned. The,
0: those are the three main ones. Yeah. And then for tracking and man trailing we also have what's just called the indication where the dog just sits stands or downs right near the lost person.
2: Yeah. Cool. So if somebody wants to go to an event this year, um, you have some various events throughout the country. We were speaking about that beforehand. So, um, they should email, they should do a contact us. What's their best bang for their buck here for how to head into 2023. If they want to get involved with this.
0: Uh, we have, contact info on the website, contact info on the Facebook. We respond quite, quite rapidly to anything. Uh, we have a championship coming up, uh, April 1st, and we're also planning seminars, uh, throughout the country. We have right now a lot of East coast, West coast, and, you know, a little in the middle, but, um, we have a lot of resources for folks that don't have a training group near them to get them started. Yeah, cool. And where is your championship in April? It'll be in Northern Virginia. Okay. All right, great. What
1: what kind of attendance do you expect as far as teams for that, for that big event, that annual championships? Um, I, I mean, what, what was, what yet. did you have? Last, <laughs> did you have one last
0: year? We did, we did, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> we did have one last year and, um, uh we had um perhaps ten dog handler teams. Okay, cool. Okay. And it's a bigger uh,
2: level of competition, so it's a bigger to do. I mean that's a yeah, go to yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's on and, the and heels a of, of COVID mi- too.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and a mix of breeds and uh to the chagrin of some of the uh pointy eared <laughs> aficionados, uh the the winning dog was an American Pit Bull Terrier. There so we go. We, we love all the dogs. Yeah, mm-hmm. Bring all and bring the braids. and to come and, out. He
1: came out of the woods with a baby's arm. Oh, stop
2: arm. it. No, but literally, <laughs> I mean, the, the thing is, is the lack of exclusions, the ability to really test what your dog's strengths are and then go that direction. Like, there's a lot of flexibility there, and there's not a lot of flexibility in dog sports, I guess, as much as there should be. So I really like that whole aspect of it. And it's working drives that the dog Dogs are born and bred to do you guys like this is why we originally had dogs to like work alongside man and help us stay alive. So it really is something that I would really look into. Um, And I'm going to join the Facebook group that will be in the show notes um, description along with the website. And I'm pumped about it. I think it's a great venue for a lot of these dogs with great training. And for those of you that who are looking for something more for your dog's training, please, like, please, please, please think about committing to your dog and doing some of this stuff. Because it combines so many different disciplines that dogs love to do and that you guys will love to learn about, really. Did we miss anything, Melissa, that you'd like to bring up?
0: No, oh, I love your enthusiasm. And, <laughs> yeah, we're welcome to answer questions people have want to reach out to us, get more information either, you know, about the organization, about Building some of the obstacles yeah. or specific training issues, we're here to support you. Yeah, I think it's great. Thank Sounds you so good. so much. Thanks
2: and, for um, Come on, on Yeah, we want you guys to support the ARSA. So thank you guys again so much for joining us, Melissa. Thank you for your time. Check out both links of the the whole organization and the sport and the show notes here today. And in the meantime, you guys keep it quirky. Happy <laughs> Wednesday! Thanks so much for joining us here today.